Welcome to the 79th episode of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. Today, you're in for a treat because the Real Life Diabetes Consulting Team rallied and joined me on this episode. Please welcome Cynthia Selt and Mark Carter. If you're new to the show, welcome and thanks for stopping by. My name is Amber Kluwer and I'm the co-founder of the Diabetes Daily Grind and host of this, the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. I enjoy sharing my story and those of other people living their best life with this disease. Please note, <laughs> I have a head cold, so I hope you are not turned off by my stuffy nose voice. I'm doing everything I can to get this episode out. <laughs> Couldn't wait any longer. Now that the dust has settled and the Real Life Diabetes Consulting Team is back at home and had a moment to reflect on our visit to the JDRF Type 1 Nation Summit in St. Louis, it is time to recap the roller coaster of emotions and connections while in Missouri. I love chatting with this crew, and it's clear we aren't shy and touch on personal takeaways, connecting with new diapeeps of all ages, and how we battled our own diabetes debacles on this trip. Real life. Before we get started, I have a few quick announcements. This episode was brought to you by Real Good Foods. I'm happy to introduce the first ever super premium better for you ice cream. I know what you're thinking. How is super premium and better for you even used in the same sentence? Well, their ice cream has a standard identity of super premium ice cream. You know, the thick, rich, and creamy texture we all love. Don't be fooled by other ice creams who use ingredients that give them a lighter and fluffier consistency to hit a low calorie claim. For me, it's all about reading the labels. Real Good Foods provides a real ice cream experience with real ingredients. And you don't have to take my word for it. The fun facts have me sold. It's extra creamy, no icy or chalky texture like other light ice creams. It only has four grams of sugar and 180 calories per serving. No guilt. Sweetened with allulose, a naturally occurring sweetener. Made with fresh milk and cream and 16% butterfat, making their ice cream classified as super premium real ice cream. The product launches in March 2020, so stay tuned and up to date on their website, which is included in the show notes. Number two, as of January 2020, the Diabetes Daily Grind is officially transitioning to a 501c3 nonprofit charitable organization status. This has been a long time coming, and I feel confident it's the best opportunity to reach a larger audience while partnering with reputable organizations. I love working with people. And number three, this year, I launched the Real Life Diabetes Mini Podcast Series, which is dedicated to offering a one-stop shop of brands, organizations, and services who share my mission to provide real support and resources for all people living with diabetes. You can check out the second episode at diabetesdailygrind.com or on any podcast platform. My goal with this series is to launch one or two per month, and they really are brands that I'm not going to say I endorse, but that you can find value in it. And the episodes are 20 to 25 minutes. It's basically like just a quick plug as to what is out there, because my goodness, there's so much and we just can't keep up. So I thought this would be a fun way just to get them all in the same area. Number four, don't forget to love, like, share, and comment on all the DDG social media platforms. Or you could seriously make my day by leaving an iTunes review. All of the cool kids are doing it. <laughs> Let's get started before I sneeze again. Alive. Yes, I'm 
What's happening, Team Real Life Diabetes? That would be you guys. Oh, I didn't know they were really asking us. It's been too long. Well, okay, so I'll start with really quick. Um, this is an episode about um, our JDRF kind of a recap. It's been three weeks since we were, the three of us were together in St. Louis, and that was a first for all of us to actually be in the same room, which is crazy considering how much we've worked together over the past nine months to a year. So um, I just thought it'd be a good idea for us all to come back together and, and share some highlights and what we learned from this experience. So Cynthia, where are you calling in from? Um, I am in Boise and it is sunny and about 42 degrees. Spring is coming. Yeah, well, it's about the same here in Oklahoma City. And nice. Mark, are you still there? Oh, yeah. It's, it's finally nice in Fayetteville, Arkansas, so it's, it's pretty. <laughs> how, how far away are the two of you? I was Five hours? Oh, okay. No, no, like three and a half. Oh, really? <laughs> I, don't, I don't drive through Fayetteville, so I have no idea. I was going to say Mark three drives fast. <laughs> So, well, thank you both for taking a little bit of time. And um, I want to say that what, what I kind of see this as a JDRF roller coaster recap because I thought about my first time that I actually was at a JDRF event here in Oklahoma City. Ryan and I decided to attend just as participants because neither one of us had ever been to one. And I could barely walk in the room because seeing all the little kiddos with their gear on just made me get really emotional. Do any, either one of you guys have an experience like that? Or does it bother you, or is it, I mean, is it hard to see a little one? I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I don't know. I think my, I think one of my first JDRF experiences, other than doing a walk when I was first diagnosed and there was lots of kids, my, one of my first one was at like a type, uh, it was a, like an adult, I can't even, well, I can't even think of what, do you guys know what they're called when they do the adult ones? But anyways, it was more of an adult one. So um, I kind of got my lens wrapped around the JDRF is, you know, for older people too. Right. Um, but, but of course it's always just like, just heart wrenching to see these little people that are like, Hey, look at this. And they can dial up their pumps and show you all this gear. And you're just like, Oh my gosh, you're three. <laughs> and yeah. you have like a hundred thousand dollars of the technology on you. Like it's <laughs> yeah. pretty amazing. And they, they've been a big inspiration to me too, because I think seeing those, those kids in the room doing, you know, having the technology is definitely, it was at a, at a diabetes camp that, um, watching them made me jump the, into the CGM world. So it gave me a lot of courage. So, you know, I, I want to start by saying the fact, like I said, we were only there for 48 hours. I mean, it was a whirlwind and it was, um, we had a lot to prepare and, um, you know, we've never done a speech together, even though I think we're all very well-spoken and there was a lot of challenges. We had battles with technology, both with our computers and with our gear. <laughs> Um, but overall, I think that our message resonated well with that crew. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, whenever we finished our keynote speech and Jerry ran over to tell us about his, um, apologizing to his daughter just brought me to tears mm -hmm. and that he, he was thinking about things differently. Um, I know Cynthia, you were talking to someone else at the time Mark, what was your thoughts on um, Jerry approaching us? Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was really good. I mean, I think once again, we've always talked about 
you know, the people who don't have diabetes, you know, they can think all day long what it's to be, to actually have it, but they don't know. And I think it just reminded him that he'd maybe been a little bit too hard and had expectations for his daughter that were unrealistic and, you know, it was just more of a thorn in her side than a coach. And so I think there was a lot of humility there. And I think it was good to see a dad because, you know, if you're a physician, dad, mom, aunt, uncle, whoever it is, you know, you got to speak life into people and not, uh, not words that are damaging and will affect someone long-term. So I thought it was good. Yeah. And I think, I think too, it probably gave him hope because, you know, when parents are like that, it's out of fear. They love their children so much that, you know, they see a high blood sugar, they see this like age where they go into defiant mode or something. And they're just fearful for their health out of love. And I think it maybe gave him hope to, you know, share. I mean, Amber, you went up there and said, Oh, my blood sugar is 300, whatever. And I said, Oh yeah, my A1C was over 12 for 15 years. And to see us up there as happy, healthy, functioning adults, it probably just made him realize like, okay, she's going to be okay. (laughs) Um, Well, I think it's one of those things too. And going into the keynote speech and I was so nervous about being emotional and I was emotional, but you know, it, it really hit home when I was thinking about it today, you know, walking up on stage with a blood sugar of 372, you know, without food on board, with insulin already in the system. And, you know, I hope I articulated myself clearly because you, my mind probably wasn't working like it normally would if I, my blood sugar was 120, you know? So I think that was just another reminder of like, and, you know, you, Cynthia's alarm going off while we were doing our breakout sessions and, um, is real life and not that I want to be surrounded by that, but it was comforting and exhausting at the same time. So let's talk about the breakout sessions. So the T1D, oh no, what is it? Denson Ding's Loving Your T1D Body. That was so enlightening for me to be, um, well, we were all very vulnerable, but what I learned from the other people in the room anybody, and either one of you have any experience or any comments for? our time in the breakout sessions. I know I definitely do, but Mark's so quiet. Mark, do you Mark, want to go? What are you doing? This is a podcast. Oh, I'm on, I, I have it on mute. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you can't be on the podcast and be on mute. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I honestly, honestly, my time in the JDRF, I walked away uh, and I told a little bit to you, Amber, but like, I don't, I don't know. Like I'm normally, I, ju- I just felt like people, needed a ton of help and work and it was like a therapy session which is weird for me um but <laughs> was it was I, it I therapy know, like, for you <laughs> no it, it wasn't therapy for me it really wasn't it was like it, it made me sad actually I was like because I I look at I think I you know and I don't want to say anything wrong but it's like my perspective of diabetes isn't my I'm not my I think I walked away realizing that a lot of people's identity is diabetes and that's not me like yeah. diabetes is just part of me but it's not who I am mm-hmm. and I and I found so many people wrapped up in that that it, it's it, it was like I was in a therapy session the whole time and it was draining to be honest with you mm-hmm. um because it was just kind of like man like I'm just gonna roll with my life like I have diabetes, but if I don't have technology, I'm going to go to basal bolus and just roll with it. So it was, a, it was just a bigger scale for me where I was kind of like, man, I don't know if really for meeting the needs of people, because, you know, if you, 
if you're always going to be, I, I don't know, I would say just struggling all the time to where diabetes is what you think, eat, breathe every second of the day and don't have any hope, then maybe we need to relook at how we're doing things. Yeah. And I felt like, I kind of felt like that in the, in a session was like, you know, I mean, and y'all know too, there was this one lady who was being vulnerable for the first time. And then this woman who particularly felt like she needed to teach and coach in a way that I didn't feel like was appropriate. It's just, it was a lot of like, just, you know, people, you got to be careful with people when you talk to them in their stories Yeah, and you got to listen. And so, so I just kind of felt like it was just a learning curve for me being like, I feel like a lot of people aren't doing well mentally, you know, yeah. they need, they need encouragement. I mean, it's all I can keep thinking is people need encouragement. There's too much negativity and fear out there. And that bothers me. You know, Mark, have, have you always felt like this? I'm so curious. Like, have you ever had where diabetes like was you or have you always no. had this positive? Outlook? You know, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. That's the thing is like, I just, you know, being in the industry and working for Eli Lilly and medical device companies, it's like, I, it's like, I thought a lot about it, but it's like, I, as I've been kind of out of the industry and just living my life, it's kind of like, I don't know, to be honest with you. I don't think so, but I just, I've always kind of seen it as something that's kind of a thorn and annoying to me, but yeah. not who I am. You know, and so that's just not who drives me and it's not who I am, but it, but it makes me wonder how many people like is wrapped up to where that is them, that well, they, that's what they function on. Well, and I got to say, you know? I've been thinking a lot about that too, since our conversation either earlier this week or yeah. last, like, I mean, diabetes can be a total bitch at times, but I'm kind of like you. I, I mean, maybe because I was diagnosed young, but this is what I do. Some days it's a drag and some days it's, I don't get it right. I mean, but I never, I mean, and that's when and that we talked about this and as somebody who goes to therapy on a regular basis, that room was a lot. I mean, it was a lot for people to say those things. And uh, yeah, yeah. But I think at the end of the day, hopefully we lifted a little bit of the burden for them because they were able to share that this, that they're struggling with this or how do you date with diabetes? And so I think kind of, unfortunately that's a role when you um, open sessions like that is you, it's, you're kind of a sponge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just know that, you know, I know that I've corresponded with a number of parents and with the JDRF team there and found resources for, you know, therapists in their area. I know everybody was struggling with that or just some of the other resources and the poor girl who was bless her heart struggling with the, the um, adhesive on the sensors and just not finding answers. And man, I hope she's dialed back in and skin's good. And, and sometimes all it takes for people is they just need like five or 10 minutes just to like be completely vulnerable, share with some people that they feel comfortable with to get it. And, you know, maybe that's, that's a piece of healing for them. And it was kind of like, in a way it, you feel kind of not honored. I don't know what the right word is, but we, we had never met those people and here they are sharing some of the most intimate things they've probably never even shared before with us that were strangers. So to be able to facilitate yeah. that is a pretty awesome experience. Well, and yeah. I think yeah. And I, yeah. And I think, I think, I think even listening to people too, it's like, that's where I keep wondering is like, you know, if that happened in a two day period, man, what I, I and then that's the other thing too, is like, I think I, in my mind, I keep thinking, we, we throw money at organizations and 
places and people and things. And it's like, people really do need that time to actual talk and when you hear their heart and their mind. And, and I think that's why that dad came to us and was so apologetic was just because like he saw where he was doing the reverse of what he thought. He thought he's really helping his daughter by like, did you check your blood sugar? Are you doing this? Are you eating that? This and that. And what he found was that man, it actually wasn't doing what he thought it was. Okay. But he apologized. Let me ask, and I, yeah, and I, yeah, thank you, Jerry, for sharing your story with us. Yeah. Did you, I find, I found it a little bit, and this has been in other settings too, and I'd just be curious to see what you think about it, but a lot of parents are still completely managing their child's diabetes, and they're 13. And that even, you know, for some parents, they were giving their injections and everything. Did you guys notice, I mean, not just at that event, but I mean, I, I can't imagine my parent doing that. I think it has a lot to do with technology because, you know, for the first 10 years that I knew my husband, he didn't have a clue about my diabetes. But then as soon as we got Dexcom and had all that available, then all of a sudden he saw like, oh, this is what food does. Oh, this is what. So then now I think parents see that because, you know, kids are getting those devices right at diagnosis almost. So from the get-go, parents know everything. So I think it has a lot to do with being able to see blood sugars all the time. And they feel like they probably just can't back away from saying something if they see something, you know? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Didn't even think about it like that. Because we do it in isolation with, you know, before, you know, we've all had diabetes before all this tech came along. And you're totally isolated. Nobody knows other than maybe checking your finger in front of somebody. Nobody knows what's going on. But now, I mean, my husband has my blood sugar on his watch all day. And um, (laughs) all the nurses at school know what the kids are. You know, everybody that the principal knows the kid's blood sugar. It's it's just so different. So I don't know. And And I would say to that right there, I think that's probably why, like, it hit me more. Is like, you know, you asked the question, have I always been like this? I think the problem is, is like, as I've grown in my, my walk of maturity with diabetes, I've now, now things are second nature to where I can focus on kayaking or fishing or, because I think that's kind of been the problem is that like, if I sit there and dwell on, I'm going to be fishing or hunting. Oh my God, my pod goes off or do I have enough insulin? Do I, what if my blood sugar goes low? It'll paralyze you and you forget your whole objective was to go enjoy the beautiful day out there. Right, and, and that's the balance of like living with diabetes, not diabetes controlling your every waking moment. And it just it, it really is ingrained in me that diabetes does not have freaking control over me. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling it what it's gonna do. Now I'm not great at it every day, but it's not. It's in control. I'm not enslaved to diabetes. And that's what I don't want people to be is enslaved to it because we have power and control to help that out. So I know I'm going a little bit deep here, but it's like, I just saw it and felt it in St. Louis. I was like, holy smokes, this is crazy. I see a lot on social media too. Do you guys ever notice that? Like people just in those groups and stuff that the questions people ask and I, it just blows my mind how, like Mark was saying, people are so like diabetes is everything. And you're so right. Mm. Like, like everybody's got stuff. Everybody has baggage they have to pack and ours just happens to be some syringes and a vial or, or whatever. Yeah. You know? like, 
Yeah. You know, I was talking to a guy earlier today, hopefully a future podcast guest, and he he um, moderates or oversees a large Facebook diabetes group and I won't go into details just yet but I asked him you know just in getting to know him over the phone what if, if they ever had messages like you were just saying Cynthia like oh, about suicide or um not being able to take it any longer and in this particular group no that's not the case but he does see it often in other groups and that has me worried and just like what can we do to and I'm not don't get me wrong uh, Daisy smiles every day I mean but, you know, if somebody's that lost or sad and they left themselves out there, like, I just want to fly in and hug them. Yeah. It's, I, I, this one group I'm in, I think there's over like 45,000 people in it. And there's at least, I would say 10 times a day, somebody's like, I'm at the end of my rope. I'm just going to end it. Like, how much insulin can I take? Or, you know, things like that. And it just mm. makes me so sad. I'm like, go for a walk. Or I don't know. It can be definitely stressful, but. I don't know. I just can't imagine thinking that. Um, Yeah. So tell me something good. What have you learned? Anything come from the event that maybe you saw something differently? I know, Mark, you were shocked by therapy session. (laughs) Well, I mean, I would, I would say, I mean, I'm encouraged too. like, there is power in numbers. I, I just think that like, you know, as I've gotten older, I think there's like three ways people truly change small group settings, one-on-one and events and conferences. Mm -hmm. I think what I'm most, uh, I'm encouraged by is there's a lot of people, but I think it's sustained, what I call sustained, um, you know, progress. I think that's one-on-one and in small groups. And so it just, it just made me want and hope that, you know, people as they listen to the podcast and, you know, diabetes daily grind and JDRF that people know that, the conferences are good, but you need also your little, I would call village and tribe, your day-to-day tribe where you can bounce ideas and progress and progress together. So, you know, I, I, I hope that that's what the, the podcast is for is for those people that can get their daily encouragement by listening to a podcast and realizing that people are doing it together every day. So, yeah. and sure. I really hope, I really hope from that conference that, well, well, two things that, people there found like at least one connection you know somebody like they could start their tribe building their tribe and also um but like all the work and all the effort and all the stress and stuff that went into it even if we were there and one for one person from that day felt like they had connected or that you know they felt uplifted by something that day i think that means all the difference you know like the people that were coming up to us in the comments i mean it was really meaningful for them. And I think even just helping one or two people, that's worth it um, for them to find their group. Well, in that second breakout session, Cynthia, when that young lady, and I say young lady, she's probably in her 20s, um, walked up to you and she had one of our get connected cards and she wanted to get connected with you. I mean, I just lost it. I'm like, I know. And that too. So when I, like, I'm open, I openly share about my diabulimia struggle and eating disorder. And I felt so alone. I thought I was the only crazy person on earth who had ever even thought of this. And so like, even in that one day, just sharing a little tiny bit about it, it wasn't even about diabulimia, but I think I've had at least five or 10 people reach out, if not there after and say, Oh, I'm struggling with this too. I thought I was so alone. And I mean that right there, if I would have found somebody like 20 years ago, maybe I would, it wouldn't have, you know, like been 15 years of my life that I think yeah. kind of feel like I threw down the tube. So 
but yeah, that, that girl that was, you know, she's wanting to get pregnant and recovering from diabulimia that, that was huge for her to, to see that maybe it's possible, you know? So. And I will say the, the night before too, JDRF, we partnered with them and they were so cool and helped us promote. We did a real life diabetes happy hour and I don't know how many people were there that we have a fun picture of it, but that was also a really good opportunity to connect. Um, cause it was in a, like a non-conference setting. Did you guys make any new friends out of that event? I thought the whole thing, I thought the whole thing was awesome. Like lots of new chitter chatter and, you know, just sharing fun and whatever, sharing fun and drinks and snacks with people is always great. So yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'd say friends necessarily, but yeah, a lot of great That's conversations. And, well, and there was two pe- there was one person there who has, I think was the only person in that room that had diabetes longer than I did. And I think she'd had it for like 50 years, 52 years or something crazy. So that was kind of neat to see, you know, for me, somebody else who's older that has lived with the disease that long. And, um, yeah. It wasn't, wasn't that like her first event she'd ever been to? There was some lady there who'd had it a long time and it was the first time she'd ever done anything with people that had diabetes. I cannot recall the same my life. And Mark, you were talking to a couple for a really long time, and I don't remember what their story was, but it was interesting. Yeah, I, I got to talk to a lot of people. I mean, I felt like the leadership at Goodyear up in St. Louis was fantastic. They cared. Yeah. I felt like, you know, they had, you know, it was an ivory tower academia where it didn't apply to the everyday of life. I think they were very, had a plan. They really did care about connecting people and getting them on board. And, and so, yeah, I, I had some really good conversation just seeing people, um, that are looping with the night scout. And I mean, just once again, realizing that like a lot of people with diabetes aren't going to wait on, you know, I think you got to be cautious. Obviously the FDA approves things, but there are people who just don't want to wait on, you know, the FDA to approve everything. So people seem like they were doing well and they were liking, you know, they're looping with Omnipod and Medtronic and that their lives were, I mean, you, I mean, there's evidence they showed, their blood sugars are better in range. They felt better. Um, they, you know, just their lives have been impacted. So that was cool. And Mark, wouldn't you say that for me, it's, I learn, I'm a hands-on person and would rather, I learn from somebody who's actually walking the walk than somebody telling me what to do. Do you, did, I mean, well, I can talking to them yeah. about looping and stuff, cause I know you've considered it. I'm going to say more value in like a one-on-one conversation. Yeah, like I, yeah, I definitely think that there's power in um, the one-on-ones and the the real life of what's going on. It was very valuable because I had been thinking about it, you know, the last like month, um, and I was a little bit kind of you know scared and trying to do some things that are different. But you know, they looked like they were doing really, really good with it, you know. And um, it's it's you know there there is power in numbers when you see other people who are struggling with the same things, but but you also see people really living their life and wanting to talk about, you know, their dreams and where they want to go on vacation and all kinds of stuff. So it was encouraging in that perspective. I like, I like those like small little gatherings where you can eat and drink and hang out a little bit and get to know one another. Yeah, for sure. And I don't think there weren't, there were only a few children there and I don't think they had diabetes. It was more adults, which I mean, to each their own. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that the people that showed up did show up. So, and I hope that JDRF continues to do that. And I know that the three of us will be happy to partner with them at any time and host gatherings like that because they are um, what we need for sure. So any other thoughts you guys or any other follow-up items about, about the event? 
I was just going to ask you guys, because I always walk away, like, do any of you guys, or do either of you, when you leave these things, kind of feel like a little bit, I don't know if sad's the right word, but you're like, do all this stuff with your people for all this time, and then you get back on the plane, or you head home, and you're kind of like, oh. Like you broke up. Yeah. Yes. I, I kind of feel sad for a little bit of time. Like, it's hard. And so then it made me think, how does everybody who attended that conference, like, how do they feel when they leave? You know, they're in this safe space for eight hours. And now you just, it's like you're launched back in the real world or if like being on vacation and then you come home. It's, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to adjust sometimes. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I totally and I feel like with the three of us, I mean, we're a support team and just like we kind of talked out, talked in one of the sessions, um, you know, two of us have had a rough day like the night before or whatever. And God, Mark was fighting with getting insulin and all the stuff. So we had, we had each other to lean on throughout that event. So, you know, think about the majority of the people walking in there maybe didn't know anybody else. And so I don't know if that would be the same effect necessarily, but it's always nice to be surrounded or be able to lean on someone. Yeah, I mean, I I think it shows you that diabetes is a team sport. I mean, you know, we we see things all, every day in our culture that requires a very a lot of people to pull off things from football and baseball and basketball. And I don't think people think of like you know the strength coaches for football or foot uh, basketball and you know the assistant coaches and the you know, the planning that goes involved and the coordinators and all that. I mean, there's a lot involved with us when it comes to our teams personally and professionally. And, and, you know, I just think that a lot of times people don't think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot involved to help someone have a, uh, a successful, let's say walk with diabetes. So some teams, some people have better teams than others. So. Which totally sucks, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> you, it really you does. See, like, some people have these great like pro- provider teams, and they have mental health care, and everything's right there. And other people like struggle even just to find an end or get into one within eight hours from them. I mean, it just seems like it's just not fair. <laughs> well, well, and that and that's why I think you know, in one of our sessions, that's why I think I really learned is that each person who has diabetes has to be very careful to start going to teaching and I'm, and I'm, I'm guilty. This is me. So I'm speaking about me and I've done this before where I just want to go in and start teaching someone and this is what you got to do. And it's like, whoa, whoa, back off. Do you know their story? Do you know their context? Do you know their, what, what they're struggling with, what their, you know, knowledge is of diabetes and their team and all that, because some people don't get the new England Patriots when you get diagnosed, (laughs) like some people get that. They get the whole shebang. And, you know, I was, I was diagnosed in North Louisiana and I felt like I was on the Cleveland Browns where I didn't get anything. So, you know, you got to just be careful on where people are. And we're just notorious. Sometimes we get in these sessions where everyone's going to start just telling everyone how they're going to do it. And it's like, well, everyone's story with diabetes is different. So it's just, it, is, it just is. We're all different. We all have our own struggles. So, and I think that that lady that kind of that you referred to a minute ago, Mark, that like laid into the other one and just wanted to teach. I feel like yeah. she's probably got something that she, you know, there's something keeping her back from being her true self or being genuine too. Where that's her, I don't know. That's her safe zone is to, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I'm like, yeah. there's got some reason why she's jumping 
down people's throats to do that. Like whether she had a rough time with it or I don't know, but. Well, I mean, and I, and and I know that because I understand my personality and I, and I know this with my wife. I mean, my wife's completely different than I am. She processes information different. And I start coming in like a bull in a China closet <laughs> and she shuts down, boom. And it just doesn't work. And I've yeah. seen it just in people's lives, like where you get different personalities and people are aggressive and people process different and they just, they, they shut down. And that's kind of what happened. That like, We saw that where a, a woman was being vulnerable about her child. And then she was kind of shut down with another person speaking into it and not listening. So that was a learning curve for me. I want to be a better listener. Yeah. Yeah, that was a tough moment. And by the way, I had no idea. I don't know anything about football. So, so when Mark said some people get the New England New England Patriots, I'm like, is that good or bad? <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I have no idea. Well, I'll, edu- I'll educate you for non-football people listening to the podcast. The Patriots are the most successful dynasty in maybe all of sports, honestly. Do, I mean, do they have any T1Ds on their team? Um, They do. I'm trying to get if they had a T1D. No, but one of the T1Ds is Mark Mark Andrews, who played at OU, who now yes. is with the Ravens. Boomer Sooner. He's incredible. Yeah, he is. And 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 that's and that's why I always think about. It. I mean, let's look at look at guys like him. He's dominating in the NFL as a tight end. Dominating. I got to tell you, I came across a guy, and I'm not going to tell his name because I've reached out to him, and I hope to God he'll come on the podcast. He is a steer wrestler. He's had diabetes for ages. The guy wears his insulin pump on his jeans while he takes down a cow. He's a what wrestler? Steer. Steer wrestler. I thought you said steer wrestler. I'm like, I've never heard of a steer (laughs) wrestler. (laughs) Well, that's even more. That's even more impressive. He's a steer wrestler. Right. (laughs) I mean, I'm thinking, what if he's using his rope and it gets hooked on his pump, or where's his, you know, his tubing? I mean, maybe he maybe he uses his pump <laughs> as the final time. Well, oh my gosh! Well, it, I see. I love hearing that because I love people when they they're not going to be let fear of diabetes affect them and not do things. So that's awesome. Oh yeah, and the quote that he had in the the thing that I had read about him it was it's right on dead on what we're talking about. Like diabetes does not define this man, and he's he's, he's killing it. <laughs> And, um, and I think, but at the end of the day too, and we'll wrap it up kind of with this is, and why I was happy for us to participate is because we are rock stars in our own sense because we're managing our disease, but we're not famous people. We're the everyday Joes and Janes that are killing it. And, you know, well, I say killing it, rolling with the punches from day to day and can talk about it. Like I love to see the professional athletes, but I feel like we need to have more real world role models. Yep. Agree. hundred percent agree. And I hope, I hope professionals and people who are in other industries like diabetes industries, they hear these podcasts and realize that like people want people to be authentic and want them to be like, everything's not okay. I mean, just, it's just not, and it's never going to be, and it's going to be tough and we're going to work through it and it's going to be okay. So, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather have someone just be honest and be like, I'll walk with you. We've talked about this before as a team. I'm not going to, you know, talk at you. I'm going to talk with you and walk with you. So it's huge. Do we have to go right now, Amber? I have a question. Can I ask Mark a question? 
So Mark, you're, um, you said you like felt you like almost sorry for or sad for the people who feel like kind of diabetes is controlling them and they're, you know, they're not necessarily living their best life. What do you think from somebody who did struggle for a long time, what do you think's like a good, or do you have any thoughts about a good first spot? Like what should people do if they're feeling like that? If they're feeling like, if they're feeling like they can't get out of this like perpetual uh, ditch that they're in. Yeah. Like what's a good way to start to dig out? you know, I, I think first of all, I think it's like listening to podcasts and getting a hold of like people like us that can say like, man, call me and I'll give my number out. If, I, if you yeah. want me, can I get my number out, Amber? You can do whatever you want. Well, I mean, for those of you, my number is 479-439-2598. And if you listen to this and you need an encouraging diabetes buddy, I will be that. I will talk that you are awesome because I believe that. So I think that's the first step is people need to know their value. They need to know that they're created unique. And just because they have diabetes doesn't mean that they're not unique and that they're loved. And, and I want to do that for people. And I think people need, you know, because we are such in a fear based, shame based culture today. You don't look right. You don't smell right. You're not tall enough. You don't weigh this. You're not good and it's, it's, it's wrong. Yeah. It's like, no, you are who you are. Now I'm going to, you're going to do the best what you can with what you got. And, and so I think that's where you start is you have to have people around you that are going to speak life into people. And that's where my, I feel like my gifting is. I like to gift people by saying who they are and speaking into that. And so I had one of those, I had a cheerleader, which, you know, growing up, it was my sister and she really did that for me. And I saw the power of that. And I don't think everyone has that. Um, we live just in the social media culture. It's always what you haven't done. Right. And I hate that because it's like people know if they're listening, if they, if they don't have this disease, I'm telling you, if you don't have it and you think you would crush it every single day, you're, you're lying. And, and I think that false expectation that's set from the professionals of the healthcare field sets a, an, an, what, what would I call it? An unrealistic expectation of daily living. Yeah. And yeah. so if you're just feeling like you're a failure by a number all day, then that, every time you look at that number, you're a failure. And that's reinforced subconsciously that you're a failure. When I would say you're not a failure, you're awesome. And there's people around you like us who want to walk with you that are struggling with you just as well. But, so that's the mindset that I think I really focus on is a, is a, is a correct mindset, a positive mindset, if you would say, you know, what so. really makes me think about this. I, I have a little kid. She's not even two years old yet. And she's really small and she's zero on that chart at the healthcare providers. You know, they met, she's zero in everything, height, weight, all that stuff. And I'm like, she's already, she's not even two and she's already learning that she's zero yeah. in life. And it kills me when they say that, Oh, you're zero. Or like, I'm just like, she's not even two and she's hearing that already. And just, it's got to stop where we put these numbers and attach them to people. Well, and I think that's, well, it, it, it's everywhere. Well, and I, um, I want to end it with this because I have to end it. And I apologize guys. Cause I could literally talk on the phone with you guys for hours, but maybe that's the message that we end with is that, you know, you're not a zero. You're not judged by a number and you got a team right here that will support you in anything that you need. So don't be shy. That's right. That's right. Don't be shy. Like, if, you know, if you don't feel like you want to call, 
just text me and say, hey, I'm struggling, and I will text you back an well, encouragement I'll, word. I'll put our email addresses in the show notes, too. So uh, yeah, yeah. the JDRF thing, you can always shoot us an email. I know that's the best way to always reach me. So, Amber, you need yeah. billboards out there. Diabetes Daily Grind billboards. People just driving by. <laughs> need help with diabetes? Want to talk? We got you. Well, let's we make that you. happen. Yeah. I need some funding for a billboard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I just love the energy that we have. And I just, I want, you know, attitudes are contagious. You know, is yours worth catching? I always live by that. And oh, I want to be contagious to people that, that are struggling. So I'm thankful. You're awesome. You guys are awesome. Love you guys. You guys have a great weekend and we'll, we'll you. chat hey, soon. You too. Thanks, love, you, love you all diabetes folks. You're awesome. Love you. Yeah. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. <laughs> It is always nice to chat with Mark and Cynthia for various reasons, but mainly because I can be myself. I'm truly blessed to have them in my life and encourage you to find your people, you know, the ones who get it. If you don't have the resources, hit me up and I will do my best to make it happen. And who knows? (laughs) I just might hit the road and come to you. You know, I'm always down for a road trip. (laughs) As I wrap up, I have a few last announcements. I'm not kidding, people. Do yourself a favor and check out the new super premium ice cream by Real Good Foods. They're super cool and were kind enough to give us a promo code, which is included in the show notes. Everybody loves a good discount, especially for ice cream. (laughs) And don't forget, we are always looking for solid partnerships and love getting creative. Our marketing team is always available to entertain whatever you've got on your mind. And we can be reached at Penelope at DiabetesDailyGrowing.com. She's really good about responding in a timely fashion. Please continue to leave iTunes reviews and love like and share all things social media. I love hearing from you. So hit me up anytime. You can always email me at amber at diabetesdailygrind.com. And getting a message from you seriously puts fuel in my tank to keep the episodes coming. Well, let's hope this darn head cold wraps up with little to no havoc on my blood sugar. Cheers to the highs and lows, everyone. 